Each year, more than 12 million people will hear the same three devastating words. You have cancer. I'm Lee Silverstein, a survivor of pediatric kidney cancer and stage four colon cancer. My amazing wife, Linda, has taught me that we have cancer because every one of us is affected by it in some way. Survivors, family, friends, and medical and support team members. And we all have a story worth telling. Welcome to We Have Cancer. Welcome to episode 156 of We Have Cancer. Thank you so much for joining me today. Before we get to this week's guest, I want to put in a little plug for our longtime supporter of the We Have Cancer podcast, and that is the Colon Cancer Coalition. Previous episodes, you've also heard a little jingle that says, stay tuned to learn how you can get your rear in gear. And for the uninitiated, Get Your Rear in Gear is the branding of the Colon Cancer Coalition's run and walk events that they have going on throughout the year. As you well know, with our current COVID-19 situation, those events have had to go by the wayside and have transitioned to virtual events where the Colon Cancer Coalition has asked for financial support for, for lack of a better way of putting it, a virtual run walk. And they have the dates scheduled on their website at coloncancercoalition.org. My point being is organizations like the Colon Cancer Coalition and so many others are really struggling because of the need to have to put these events on hold. So if you are so inclined and have the means, no donation is too small, I know I would appreciate it because this is a wonderful organization doing great, great work around the country. If you would visit coloncancercoalition.org and make a contribution to one of those events, even if the quote-unquote virtual event is not in your community, it really doesn't matter. You can just click on any one of them and show your support. So thank you in advance for making a difference for an organization doing such great work. My guest this week is Joanna Breckner. Joanna is a oral cancer survivor, and you can follow Joanna on Instagram at Joanna DYP, Facebook, same thing, Joanna DYP, and her website, DYP, which DYP stands for Discover Your Power. So DYPYourWay.com to learn more about Joanna. But her story is one of resiliency, positivity. As a result of Joanna's diagnosis, she had to not only go through significant reconstructive surgery, but also had to go through therapy to learn how to eat and speak again. And her story really is an incredible story. I know you'll be inspired as I was. Join me now for my conversation with Joanna. Joanna, I appreciate you reaching out and coming on the We Have Cancer podcast. And as I was looking through your your website, Discover Your Power, and people can find that at dypyourway.com, 
One of the things that you mentioned in your video that just jumped out at me was you said, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit here, the last thing I expected was to become a public speaker. So tell us why that was a surprise and how that came to be. <laughs> I call myself an accidental motivational speaker because it is not something I've ever done before, even pre-diagnosis. But I just find it ironic because I have a speech impediment. And after I finish all my surgeries and the speech therapy and the physical therapy and learning how to eat again and feeling like myself again and the hair growing back and kind of figuring out what's next, how do I go on to the next chapter of my life with speaking challenges and eating challenges and looking differently because I have a big scar that runs from my lower lip and down my chin and around my neck. And I really had to kind of reboot myself on where I was going to go from there, not only on a physical standpoint, but what was my body capable of? Because talking can be more of a challenge for me than most people. It is not painful, thank God, but by the end of the day, it is a strain on my voice and on my muscles. So I really have to pay attention on not just how I use my voice, but when I use my voice so I can protect it. So that's why it's a surprise, because with all of these mechanics going on in my mouth, it's like, why me? Like, give it to somebody who has a full functioning mouth. But I think there's always a bigger plan, and maybe my speech impediment is a testament to how you can move forward, depending, you know, no matter what your challenge is in life. Well, talk about that a little more. You know, what was it like when you finished your first speaking engagement? What was running through your head? It was pure adrenaline. It was an event my husband and I were honored at. It was a charity function. And I, they asked me to speak to my husband. I spoke second and I talked about celebrating life because I was only a year, maybe two out of all my treatment. So everything felt very raw to me still. You know, I never really spoke about it. It was still all inside of me. So when I spoke, all of a sudden I gave a voice to my experience, which had been bottled up in me for three or four years already. So after I started giving it out, I was kind of like unleashed. <laughs> um, <laughs> I was like, wow, people, one, they could understand me. And that was a very big deal because in my head, I didn't think anyone could understand what I was saying but me. So the fact that I could be understood was a real validation to what I thought my impediment was. And two, not only did they understand me, they really understood my story and what I was thinking and what I was feeling. And that felt really incredible to feel like my story mattered and that I'm not just someone who sounds and looks like someone who's been through something. And it was very powerful. It was a rush. And 
even then, I did not plan on being a speaker. But after that, someone asked me to speak. And someone asked me to speak after that. And then someone said, you really should be doing this. And I was like, wow, maybe I should really be doing this. <laughs> <laughs> that, that first one had to be oh, pretty emotional for you and your husband. There was not a dry tear in the house. Which was not my intention, but... That probably includes you too, right? Oh, I, I don't know how I cried through the tears, but I just, I think I was just getting everything out of me, all my fears, all my emotions, all my confusion and frustrations. They were all bubbling up and they just poured out unexpectedly. We've done over 170 interviews wow. here at We Have Cancer and you are the first oral cancer survivor that I've had the privilege of interviewing. Wow. And I will tell you, mm -hmm. true confession, when I read your story before I clicked play on the video, I wasn't sure what to expect in terms of your speaking ability and being able to understand you. And I was amazed. I was amazed. I sitting here listening to you now. I have no problem understanding anything you're saying. But take us back to how this all came to be. How did you come to be diagnosed and and you know and and what the treatment was and all that was involved that got you to where you are today. And <laughs> I know it could, may take some time, but we're all eager to hear it because uh, you're the first. Well, thank you for having me. I feel truly blessed that I can talk and I can be understood because I have met numerous oral cancer survivors who don't have the same quality of life as I believe I do. That doesn't mean they don't have fulfilling lives. I don't know what's going on in their head, but when I hear them and I see how they eat, if they can eat, boy, I am so grateful every single day of my life. So going back 19 years, I was at my dentist for a routine checkup. I have had my dentist since I was 10 years old. And shout out to Dr. Sachs, I love you. And he did, I have to give a shout out, like he's amazing. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> He's part of my family. He did something called an oral cancer screening. I didn't even know that was a thing. Lee. I, I didn't even know. It, it, it wasn't obtrusive. It, there was no nothing that hurt. There was nothing they cut. It was just a lot of poking and prodding and lifting my tongue and looking around. It probably took, what, maybe a minute and a half? I, I didn't really even know. And Dr. Sachs said to me, you have some small white spots on your tongue, and I'd like you to go to a oral surgeon and have them checked. And even when he showed me, I still could not see them. They were that small. Nothing felt funny. There was no pain. Nothing tasted different. It was business as usual. I had a biopsy. It was benign. I wasn't even worried. I mean, I was young. I never smoked. I never drank. No family history. No HPV. I didn't even know about HPV. And we had it surgically removed. It was benign. Think of it as if you go to a dermatologist and you have something on your skin. It's being proactive. You just remove it. That's okay. Yeah. I had something removed from my tongue a number of years yeah. ago. 
that was also benign. Yeah, so I, 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 to I totally understand. They removed it, and no big deal. At that moment, I had an ear, nose, throat doctor. It's probably my medical team. I went every year. He checked me. No big deal. Plus, my dentist was now checking on me. And six years later, something felt funny in my mouth, and I'm a proactive person to begin with. I don't stand on principle, let's wait and see. And I immediately went to my ENT. He looked at it. He said, you have a tumor. It's got to come out. We don't even need to biopsy it. So that was my first issue. And this was on your tongue? This was the same area, the right side of my tongue. Now, most people, their precancer never turns into anything. Unfortunately, that was not the case for me. So I spent one night in the hospital. I had a, um, two kids at home. One was not even one year old. The other one was two and a half, two daughters. And they removed it, but it was small enough and the margins were clean. There was no treatment, no chemo, no radiation, nothing. But we kept an eye on it, even closer now. And I have PET scans every year. And with my type of cancer, the magic number for remission or no sign of disease is five years. And four and a half years out, I was at the movies and I was eating popcorn. And all of a sudden, my popcorn got lodged in my mouth. Like, and it was painful. I went right to my doctor and he looked at it and he said, it wasn't even that big, but he said, it has come back and it is very aggressive by looking at it. But we biopsied it just to take all our precautions. And the day before I got, I went on a Disney cruise with my family. My doctor called me. I was getting manicures and pedicures with my daughters who were now five and seven. And he said, we need to talk. And I went on the cruise. <laughs> it was kind of weird. It was great being with my family, but it was weird knowing I have this tumor in my mouth. And when I got back, he said, you are going to need major reconstruction. And what that meant was I had half of my tongue removed, rebuilt with my arm and skin grafts for my thigh. I had that surgery at UCLA. I spent one week in the hospital with a tracheotomy and a feeding tube. And I spent, um, I had over three months of chemo and radiation simultaneously. And once they found the tumor in my mouth, it was also budding against my teeth, so they had to remove the corridor of my teeth. One year later, I felt a lump on the other side now, on my neck. And I went to my doctor immediately, and he said, we need to get in there and biopsy it. We did. And I was on the operating table, like, within weeks. And they removed a tumor from my jugular vein. And... I had another three months of chemotherapy and radiation. But I can say now, I am, it has been seven years, January 22nd of this year, and I am free of disease. I am cancer free. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. So it was a lot more, I'm assuming, than just surgery and chemotherapy to get you where you are today. Tell us about that. Tell us about that. About the treatment? about the the post-operative and post-treatment right. therapy that you must have had to go through in order to you you talked about the challenge of eating and speaking how did that how did you you know get through that to get to where you are today uh was that 
The treatment... Was that speech therapy, yeah, things like that? The treatment is absolutely brutal. I was missing... First of all, I was missing teeth, so that was one of the first orders of business we had to take care of that. Um, I have a partial denture because I'm not a candidate for implants, and I follow my doctor's advice, so I'm good with that. And I started really small with the eating. I started with yogurt. Actually, I'm going to backtrack. When I got out of surgery and I went home, that is what I ate. I ate a lot of yogurt. I would eat a yogurt. It would take me a whole hour. I would go for a walk around my room, and then I would sit down, and I would eat another yogurt. That's what I did, because I knew for me to heal, I would have to have calories. So I was very conscientious of nutrition. I met with a nutritionist from my cancer support organization, and we came up with a game plan. And basically, I had the same smoothies throughout treatment every day and nothing else. Um, I was also very conscientious. Many head and neck patients end up on feeding tubes, and I, in my head, decided that is not going to happen to me. If I had to, of course I would. Um, but I really got my head in the game, and I forced myself to have these smoothies every day, even when the last thing I wanted to do was put anything in my mouth. And then the last part of this was pain medication. Um, under the supervision of my doctor, I was on pain medication 24 hours a day. But it was a winning combination between, I guess, my personality and my nutrition plan and the pain meds. I got through it. And then after the fast, once I was done with treatment, I was ready to start solid foods. And my doctor said it's important because you want to expand your esophagus sooner or later. And I, I took a carrot and I steamed it. Like I steamed this carrot. There was nothing nutritious about this carrot when I was done. I mean, there was nothing left of it. It was a happy for carrot, maybe nothing. And I thought that half a cook carrot down, it probably took me an hour. And my husband wasn't home at the moment. And I remember I called him and I said, I got a carrot down. And it was baby steps. I taught myself how to eat again. I started with really soft food, salt free, flavorless. And then I just built up from there. I did go to speech therapy. And we really, our main strategy was two things to keep my speech as clear as possible. And also, how do I save my vocal cords so they last me forever? So I can't yell when dinner's ready. Like, <laughs> but I can still yell at my kids. <laughs> yeah, you have a belt. <laughs> what was the speech therapy like? Like, Where were you versus where you are today post, post-surgery? My speech has definitely become stronger, only because people tell me it has. But I've learned a few tricks. I cannot go to crowded rooms or parties. It's just I I can't I can't push my voice like that. It's too much work. So if I go to a party, I sit and I smile and I have a good time. And if I have to go outside and take a break, I do. I let me think. This is an interesting story. And maybe you saw this on my video and that I could not pronounce my phone number. And which is a very big deal because it's something we take for granted. We don't even think about it. And on graduation day from speech therapy, 
we talked about, her name is Gina. I was in speech therapy for three months. On graduation day, I said, I need a phone number I should pronounce. And we called the phone company and I explained the situation. And I think the person on the other end of the phone and I, I think we were both in tears. And she said, we're going to get you a number. And we went through every combination, like no joke. They didn't charge me nothing for making these changes. And we found a phone number and I can say it just like I said it before I was ever diagnosed. And I believe there are there. Go ahead. Are, are there still to this day certain um, sounds and things that are challenging for you to pronounce? Yes. Anything with T-H, fa-fa. Right. Can't say that. Anything with the soft S, like patience. That's a oh, hard okay. word for me. Mm-hmm. Um, like the number with an X by six. I can't say that. My phone never had sixes in it, so I got rid of all them. <laughs> I wish right. I could move, but I can't change my address, so I'm stuck. <laughs> <laughs> and what about diet today, Joanna? Do you have any uh, limitations? I Yes, I do. I cannot eat salads. I cannot eat anything that's really crunchy, like fresh fruit and fresh veggies, because they become choking hazards for me. I find ways around it for if I'm having to chop a salad, it's super chopped and it has a lot of dressing, so it's very soft and it can go down easy. Wine, I was not a big drinker drinker to begin with, but wine or sparkling drinks really burn my mouth. Um, meat, I was not a big meat eater to begin with, but now the amount of time it would take me to eat a piece of meat I'd be at the table for five hours trying to get down the stage. So I just, I don't even say, I never mm-hmm. did that much, but Gosh. like really big right. sandwiches, things are, you know, kind of needy. But, you know, I figure it out. I do roasted vegetables now. I, you know, softer foods, but I can eat and I travel and I go to restaurants. And sometimes I'll look at the menu in advance so I can have a game plan. Spicy, I can't eat spicy now. It really burns my mouth because the radiation has made my tongue very, very sensitive. But I am grateful because I lost my taste buds twice through radiation and my taste buds came back. So I can taste food. I want to go back to the work you're now doing in your website. And you talk a lot about discovering your power. And you define, so mm-hmm. how, what is to you, what is power? Power to me is your ability to manage a situation. It doesn't have to be big and mighty power. I think it's an energy that comes from within you or in your environment that you can count on or um, harness to help you get through a bigger, small challenge of your life. Give us some of the examples that are on your website. That help me get through my illness or things I use right now? You use right now. This, I mean, this is going to sound silly. I have this t-shirt and it has three, like, superhero women on it. And whenever I bought it at a thrift store, I think for five bucks because I loved it. And whenever I'm having kind of a crummy day or I'm doing a project I don't want to do, I put on that t-shirt 
And it makes me feel like, all right, I got this. It's my, it's part of my power suit. I, I don't think it has to be a big deal. I mean, I think clothing is very powerful. Uh, for example, this ring. It had my daughter bought this for me when she went on a trip. It has a prayer on it, and this ring. I run it in circles, and I feel very connected to my family and to God on a person of faith. When I go on doctor appointments, I hold it close to my heart and to my soul, and it just gives me an extra boost when I need it. I'm a big believer in taking deep breaths. Sometimes I forget to breathe, and I have to remember. All right, take a deep breath, feel the inhale, feel the exhale, count to seven. I believe power does not mean you have to master something or buy a new course or you know become the ultimate expert. I mean, if you want to, by all means, go for it. But sometimes I think it means, wow, I haven't gotten out of bed for a day or two. Maybe I just need to take a shower, or maybe I need to put on some lipstick, and maybe that will make me feel a little more human, or maybe put on my high heels, or do my hair or feel the sun on my face. What was the motivation to create the site in, in the first place? Well, there's actually kind of a two-part answer. The first part is when I was in the thick of it. And actually, I was in the, more in the recovery, coming out of recovery. And I was in the support group. And there was a woman in my support group. I, I didn't know her. And she had breast cancer. And she had gone through the treatment and she lost her hair. Her hair was growing bad. She went through the chemo, the radiation. And Lee, all she wanted to do was die. I mean, really, she was that down. And I don't know her mental state before she was diagnosed. And unfortunately, I don't know what happened to her. But I was so sad and I thought, wow, we have been through so much. Like, wasn't there something she could hold on to, a shred of hope somewhere in her life, not to feel so despondent? And so that was really the spark in that I made a promise to God and to myself that if I got through this, I had to find a way of helping people. But I didn't know how. And it wasn't until I started doing the public speaking, and I think by the fourth speech, someone asked me to give a talk, and I thought, well, I better really understand what my message is. And I looked through the journals I kept when I was ill. And as I was looking through all of it, it wasn't just, I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling this, I'm feeling that. It was more about how I got through all of the experiences I was having. And it was really about the power of my cancer journey that inspired me to think like, wow, this is about my power and this is what I need to talk about. It was like this light bulb. And that's, that's how it all began. Do you have any stories of people who have discovered your site and um, have found some benefit from your message? Wow, that's a good question. I have spoke to um, a couple of people about what they do. I mean, I had a friend who, especially in, we were in quarantine, and she said, I really thought about where I get my power from. And she found some really interesting small things. She said, I make it a point to make my bed every day when I wake up now. 
I, I, I thought that was really remarkable. And my wife said such a big deal. He said, and she said, because I did it before, and it makes me feel like my day is starting with a clean slate. And I thought that was really interesting. Just making your bed, something so simple. She finds great joy watching her son play piano. She said the music kind of vibrates in her soul and it makes her feel alive and it makes her feel really connected to her children. She said she's doing a lot of cooking, which she never did before. She was never a stay-at-home mom. She had a full-time job. And she loves that now she can, she's still working from home, but she loves this bond of being able to nurture her family's soul with homemade cooking, which is something she didn't do before. And I just thought those are neat stories because these are not, you know, backbending stories, but they have true meaning to her. And I love that. I love the making the bed. I mean, I, I don't know why, but I think it's very cool. Yeah, I think in a roundabout way, we kind of, you know, when our conversation kind of answered the question I just asked, and that is discovering your power is defined by you. Yep, exactly. It's your power. Mm -hmm. And so for her, you know, making her bed and, and cooking and those kinds of things, that's her power. And mine is different and yours is different. Mm -hmm. I think power is very organic. I think it's always changing. It comes to us when we least expect it, or maybe when we do expect it. I think it changes as we evolve and we have different experiences. And what may work one time may not work another time. I think if we're just open to the possibility of how unlimited our power can be, and we just pay attention, we might be pleasantly surprised on the impact it can have on us and how how accessible it is. That's the best part. You, you have to pay a penny. It's right there. It's right there. So again, there's wonderful resources and inspiring videos on Joanna's website at DYP, which stands for Discover Your Power, DYPYourWay.com. Joanna, as you look back over these 19 mm -hmm. years, how have you changed? Wow. Well, I, I don't take things for granted. I... And not the kind of person who ever would have started a business like DYP your way. I would have been too afraid. I would have talked myself out of it. I would have been really worried about what everyone else thought and what happens if I fail. And when all this went down, I was like, you know, game on. I'm just not going to waste a moment anymore. I really had tremendous gratitude and I think this message of DYP did not come from me. I believe it came from above. And I want to keep all the promises I made when I was ill. And I take those promises very seriously. I'm a person of my word. I think I just, I don't, you know, I don't save the fancy towels anymore. You know? Why not? It's Monday night. Pull out the fancy towels and put on the good perfume. What are we waiting for? <laughs> <laughs> Eat on the good dishes. <laughs> right, right. Like, what am I waiting for? Thanksgiving? Every day should be right, Thanksgiving. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> I saw a post on I saw a post on social media. It says life is short, order dessert. Always for 
I said, yes, you're absolutely <laughs> first. That's even better. <laughs> I like how you think. <laughs> uh, well, Joanna, you've been so generous with your time. Your story is an absolute inspiration. First and foremost, I'm going to echo what you started the conversation with. Please see your dentist, not just for those every six-month cleanings, but make sure he or she is doing that oral cancer screening. I know mine does. He takes a gauze, lifts up mm-hmm. my tongue, looks around. There's no needles. There's no poking. Mm-hmm. It's just looking, right? It's just looking more than just for cavities or are your teeth clean and are you flossing? but looking for those warning signs. I was fortunate, this was before my colon cancer diagnosis, to have a benign growth removed from my tongue, and that was the end of that. But because your Dr. Sachs was so thorough, uh, you're here talking to us today. And so so don't overlook that, folks. And uh, thank you, Joanna, for sharing your inspiring story. I know many people will be inspired by hearing it and hearing all the adversity that you've overcome. Um, Continue to find your power and continue to lead others to find theirs as well. Thank you. It's been a true honor to be here. I think what you are doing is so important and valuable. And I just feel blessed that I could be here to contribute to what you are bringing to the universe. And you are a tremendous source of power to more people than you could ever imagine. That means a lot, and I appreciate that. Be well, my friend. All right. Be well. Be safe. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to We Have Cancer, and thank you to our sponsor, the Colon Cancer Coalition, for your support. You can subscribe to We Have Cancer by visiting Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, or Spotify. And you can find us on social media by visiting our Facebook page at We Have Cancer Show and at We Have Cancer Pod on both Instagram and Twitter. We Have Cancer is a proud supporter of Genie's Blue Angels, providing financial support to those affected by colorectal cancer.